0: Everyone, this podcast is brought to you by Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Hey y'all, just wanted to say real fast, this was recorded before the Christian Wood trade. Um, I know our timing is wild with these, uh, and that can be kind of frustrating, but um, I still think it's a great conversation. I didn't feel the need to re-record it. We talked about enough guys at 17 that'll probably be in the range there at 26 as well. Um, did not talk about trade-off opportunities a ton, but mentioned a couple names in there. Uh, of course, 17 and 26, we could see packaged together to be you know, a trade-up to 12 or, or 14 or something like that. I think that's very possible, but um, we didn't really get into that. talk talked a little bit about Christian Wood, and you can obviously just kind of ignore those parts. Or, or I mean, we still have good analysis in there, I think. So uh, sorry for that little thing, but again, James was great and just wanted to keep this in. So uh, yeah, and this is our last one of of the season so thank you all for listening and uh this has been a really huge kind of draft season for us we've 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 grown a lot and i think uh just the love we've got for these for these uh team specific uh draft pods has been great Uh, it's a lot of work put into sort of schedule and 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 record and edit all these but uh it's very rewarding so we thank you all so much and i hope you enjoy uh our conversation with james about the rockets Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. We are here to talk about another one of the three host favorite teams today, the Houston Rockets. And uh, Coop got his his pick of the pack with who to bring on, and and he chose the great James Piercy, um, someone who does a lot of writing over at the Dream Shake, a fellow SB Nation uh, uh, writer like myself, um, co-host of the Above the Break podcast, and a contributor for, and this one always messes me up. I try to say it on Coop's outro every time, HTX Chop Shop. I always stumble over my words there, but uh, lots of good stuff that James does. Lots of great work. So James, my friend, how you doing?
1: Doing all right, man. Appreciate you having me on. I I, I understand about HTX Shop Shop. There's too many consonants, not enough vowels, right? It, 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 it does the opposite of roll off the tongue. It kind of stumbles off the tongue. So I, I, I get it. There's something
0: about HTX with a C right after that just like, yeah. like my mouth just can't. It can't do it. It's easier for, I'm guessing you guys, like I know Coop is a, is like a, a Houston kid. So it's, like, it's probably easier because HTX is kind of the short, like for Houston. But as someone who's never been within like 500 miles of Texas, just like it, it's, it's, it's complete foreign. It's completely foreign, but that's all right. I, I'm a fan of the work you guys do. So that's like, uh, Coop Coop uh, does does some stuff over there, and, and I'm always a fan of tune in. He's trying to turn me into a Rockets fan. I never will be, but they are a team that I just <laughs> I have to watch now because I have to know what Coop is saying. I have to about. I have okay. to understand his language, uh, and I I do my best. Speaking of which, Coop Stone, my friends, how you doing?
2: Uh, doing okay. Um, after I threw my wallet in the trash, so I'm uh. Sort of in despair at the moment, but hopefully uh, talking Rockets will lift my spirits a bit because, uh, yeah, it's now turned into sort of a rough day. Uh,
3: I feel for Stone. I <laughs> I have a habit of throwing things in the garbage that I should not throw in the garbage. So I I understand where he's coming from, but I am very excited. Uh, James is like the person that I talk the most Rockets basketball with. We talk like multiple times a week, like three to four times. We're just and in group chats, basically all day, uh, one of the smartest guys out there uh, agrees with a lot of my opinions, so that makes him even smarter.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but we finally get to talk about my team. Uh, get to confuse Bryce with all the awful nicknames that we have for some of these guys. Didn't even know who Gary Bird was. That's that's. I mean, that's how you know he's not even a not even a real real Hooper. But on, uh, this is gonna be a great episode. I've been really excited
0: for this one, and let's hop right in. Yeah, Gary Bird, of course, Garrison Matthews with the 10-foot jumping forward jump shot uh, that uh, John Hollinger was inexplicably mad about at some point this season. Uh, we're going to get animated coup today, so that's always fun. But um, that takes you to the Rockets. And I just, it, you know, we always ask, like, how would you describe this season? And it's kind of hard with the Rockets. We had this problem. We just recorded a, a Thunder pod, And it's like, it's kind of the same issue. It's like, how do you describe a season that was supposed to be, horrible and awful i mean it was horrible and awful but also um there was hopefully some positives. so James, aside from all the losing how would you describe your team season uh,
1: predictable maybe right uh you know um the, this team really lacks a lot of like the infrastructure that you would expect an nba team to have like there's pretty much no rim protection we, we pretty much don't have a point guard right like so a, a lot of the like, I think there's talent on the team, some, but it, it, in terms of just the, the, the basic ingredients of what NBA basketball sort of requires, like, the, the team doesn't really have it right now. And so we lost a lot of games like we were supposed to, and now we got it the third pick in the draft. So predictable.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, it'd be hard to be upset with, with how it went. Um, yeah. I, I do want to ask you, though, just like, for a bit of color, how did you feel like uh, Steven Silas in the front office handled the development of young players and balancing that with um sort of the older vets on the team
1: yeah so that's something that like I I don't get as upset about that as a lot of people on Rockets Twitter do I I I don't think it's necessarily like incumbent on a team in the Rockets situation to just play the young guys and max out their usage and and you know tell all the vets to go home and and collect a check like I like the way that the team handled development personally I, I I think that the proof was in the pudding towards the end of the year when Jalen started going off you know like he he struggled early but it's sort of what you expect from a scoring guard archetype I think you know and and as he started to find his footing and and, and figure out uh the pace of the pro game he he looked sensational so to me it's like how could you say that the, the development was lacking when, when the only player on the team with real star potential in my opinion uh showed that star potential down the stretch in, in, in a significant enough sample size you know uh i i, I have no worries about that
0: yeah no i'm, I'm absolutely with you. and and i i am with you too with with only player on this team with star potential potential and that does take me to Jalen green and um Jaylen green of course second pick in the draft um not a pick i was fond of not because i was super low on Jalen green but because i was super high of, on evan mobley but i think you did uh the Rockets sort of made their bet right that if if they're going to basically start a team from scratch with no one else on the roster who matters when it comes to team building they would have rather had Jalen Green than Evan Mobley I think that's a lot of what that pick came down to uh so James what do you think of of Green what his upside is going forward and what do you think as the Rockets look to build this team around him what are the archetypes they should sort of be looking to fill uh
1: first of all I think Green is is I mean, I'll start by saying that I think I'm really high on Green and, and his potential, right? I, I think he's going to be an all-star. There's very little question of that. To me, the next question is, like, can he fill in some of the holes in his game that would allow him to, like, really sniff, like, top 10 player status? You know, like, like I, I, I see a guy that, like, this is going to be a top 30 player, probably a top 20 player for that matter, but can he develop uh, defense and playmaking skills that really allow him to be, like, you know even an mvp candidate right that's that's going to be the next big question uh for green so far as the pick is concerned like i i was mobley mob i'll be honest like i i wanted evan mobley as well you know there's um i'm a big fan of like defensive anchors but i I think that the, the pick justified itself you know to a pretty good extent and and i think there is some logic in going you know what we're starting from scratch we need um we need offensive players. You know, we, we can get a defensive anchor at a discount compared to, you can't really get like a true alpha potential 30 point scorer at any discount, you know, like that, that's a star player, right. Uh, you can't replicate it really in terms of archetype. I mean, we need defensive anchor, right. That's, uh, that's the, that's the first player that I, I would personally put around green. I, I would love to get a big that can switch and is a true defensive anchor at the pro level. I, I, I think we need more playmaking. We need more IQ. You know, we need guys that uh, have more of an interest in passing and like making the right play versus kind of going for their own. Uh, I mean, shit, man, we need just about everything. I, basically everything, but an alpha score, right. Is, is what, what the team needs right now.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's absolutely the right read. And that does take me to kind of the roster that's already been built around green. And you mentioned that there's no, like, true like star upside player here and i'd also go so far as to say there's not one single proven nba player here outside of maybe kevin porter jr but what kevin porter jr is is kind of a question as well so you know i had a list of usman garuba josh christopher kpj kj martin albert shengun what do you think of those guys and then if there's anyone else on the roster that stands out or, or just like, like, is this truly a blank slate aside from Jalen Green? Or do you think there are some really strong pieces here that we're just kind of waiting to see how they
1: develop? I think that Kevin Porter Jr. is an NBA player. And, and I, I think that he'll find a role uh, as what that role is. I don't know. I've, I've often thought that sixth man might be the best situation for him, right? Like uh, he's a natural scorer, in my opinion, and, and a talented scorer. He's not a good enough scorer that he's, gonna be like a star scorer on on an nba team in my opinion so let him cook against second units that 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 would be i think the best vision for him in my opinion long term but i do think he's gonna be like a pro player and a contributor as far as the other guys on on this list i think everybody's got like a half shot of being something like i still have a lot of faith in garuba personally uh he, he got about four or five games down the stretch of the season where he, he actually got like a pretty regular uh, featured role and i thought he looked really good personally I, th- I think he's got a really good sense of positioning and and like uh he's a strong screen setter you know he's a good passer like like a quick decision maker and then we, we, we saw the defensive traits that we were hoping to see so i have a pretty good feeling about garuba but of course there's a possibility that like he's a total nothing burger you know i'm not going to deny that right I think Christopher's going to be a pro player, but like like an eighth or ninth man, like 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 a good rotation guard. But I, I, I'm not really expecting any kind of stardom. Uh, you know, just like a solid rotation guard. That, that that's what I'm seeing in Josh Christopher. KJ, not a very skilled basketball player, man, on an NBA level. You know, to be completely honest, like he's he's a crazy run and jump athlete. But as we kind of joked about before we got started, if he had hands, he'd be a much better player. I don't really care what happens with him in the end to be honest with you and then uh Shangoon, man i mean we could like cooper's probably talked your ear off about shangun i don't know if he wants to hop in and, and speak maybe because will, we have pretty much like the same opinion
3: yeah uh Shangoon, i i had a, a moderately infamous reaction when we drafted him i uh, <laughs> it was bad uh but i kind of talked myself into it The thing with Shengun is he's skilled, great passer, great playmaker, uh, sees the floor in an incredible way, and then everything else is basically theoretical. Uh, The defense is just not there at all. Uh, (laughs) I know some people see like, oh, he has high, like he has great hands, great steals numbers, great blocks numbers. He's like six eight, six nine, with like a barely positive wingspan and can't jump. Uh, As much as the hands are there and the playmaking is kind of there. He doesn't do any of the other things that really show defensive feel uh, and court mapping. And I, I don't want to give the full scouting report on him, but I, I think he's skilled. I think he is a post scorer, but how valuable is that at the NBA level? Uh, are you really going to run your offense through a post scorer That's not like super efficient and is small. That's just tough shooting projections, tough. Um James you have anything else or I, I just want to jump in on Kpj real quick because I, I need to I need to give my give, give my bit let, let,
1: let me jump back into Shagun while we're on him and then like I, I I would just the one thing that I would like to stress about Shanoonon is I, I do think there's an outcome where this guy's a star player It's just like it's a very remote one like like maybe there's like a five percent chance that this guy's like a bona fide star player. I think that's what Rockets fans are seeing getting caught up on it's like oh man this guy's a chance of being a star player like yeah but he's got a lot more chances of being a reserve because as you know cooper pointed out like he's like a 6'9 center that can't jump with remarkably slow feet and like it's likely to cause a problem so like yeah i think it's possible he'll overcome those things and and be what a lot of people a lot of rockets fans hope he will be but i just i don't think it's likely you know
0: i'll go really fast on shangun too i just um I don't even like, even that 5% you're mentioning, I don't really know what star Shengun looks like. Like I, 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 we haven't really seen a six, eight post scoring, not even post like post hub, even like in in any recent vintage, like, like, you know, he got comps to guys like Demonis Bonas and Nicole Jokic. obviously he did because that's how, how we like to do things in pre-draft realm. Like give these uber unrealistic comps, but those guys are legit seven footers um who even though they're bad defensively are at least seven feet tall um I think they're both more functional passers I just I I I honestly just don't know what star shingun looks like I think star shingun is a lot more like like six man of the year shingun which is a good outcome for the 16th pick like you'll take that guy at 16 or whatever but um I just I don't I even like like the high end outcomes I don't see. And if if he's not a star, like he's not a starter either because he's not yeah. like a connector type because he can't survive on defense then. So you're just kind of uh, I I don't I I I don't know. That's that's my vibe on it. Coop, did you want to go on KPJ real fast?
3: Yeah. Uh probably I will I'll, I'll just get this out of the way probably my favorite player ever. Uh not even going to pretend like he's not, but uh just Crazy space creation, uh, the amount of advantages that he creates with just the funky way that he moves, is able to to dribble the ball, pass, shoot, uh, incredible off uh, catch and shoot shooter this year, like pretty crazy percentages. Uh, I think just molding him into an on and off ball guard who can kind of play a, a pseudo connector role with different lineups, but then also handle the ball a little bit is kind of what his most realistic outcome looks like really leveraging that off ball shooting ability to move. And I think if you round out a lot of the smaller parts of his game, and that's really what's missing at the moment is cutting back the turnovers, upping the efficiency at the rim, uh, you know, taking smarter shots, uh, not getting to the mid range as much. I think you cut back a lot of that stuff, improve the defense. That's uh, if not a star player, then a sub star player uh, has all the potential in the world because of that just the weird ass way that he moves his body, but, uh, just, I love him. I, I made the outline and I put him in the Jalen green tier, but it's okay. They <laughs> I got overridden, but,
0: uh, yeah, I love KPJ. And I'm a huge KPJ fan too. I just, uh, he's the, he's the most real, like, like the two guys out of this like list where I'm like, okay, I see what they look like as starters are KPJ and Usman Garuba, right? Like that, those are the two guys I think um, really stood out to me is I, I can see what they look like as starters. KJ Martin is a bit more of a squint. I think he needs a really specific context to be like a starter type. Um, Christopher, I don't really see. Shane, I don't really see as starters unless some things really, really hit. But let's take me to the next group. And these are guys I sort of identified as uh, trade type guys, kind of older guys on the roster. Maybe if you think they're, they're valued differently and they won't be traded, James, you can let us know. But uh, I wanted to ask you about them in combination with potential trades and what you think they might be looking to do when it comes to wheeling and dealing the soft season so the four guys jay Sean tate eric gordon christian wood and john wall um all of them have had both the the love and the ire of rockets twitter including one of our own on this podcast who has loved three of them and uh turned on two of those three uh over the course of time in some ways but uh obviously tate is kind of was kind of the gem they found through the NBL after he played a couple of years at Ohio state's defensive stuff, but he is older. Um, Like, so just James, like, like what do you think the future of those four on this roster are if there is one? And then what do you think trades might look like, like what the Rockets are going to be looking to do?
1: Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I, I actually think that there's a possibility that Tate has a future with the team. Tate is like, he might just be a guy that you end up keeping around for his corporate knowledge because he he was there through the rebuild. And then, you know, like by the time that we're good again, it's like, well, now we want to have this guy that like works his ass off on defense and gives you a little bit of extra ball handling at the four or like three, whatever, you know? Um, I don't think he's got a future, like as a starter, like those, those, that's just a product of where the team is and everything. Right. But I could see him being a guy that we keep around with that said, he's the type of guy that like, if he greases the wheels on a good trade, then you move him, you know. That so it can just kind of go either way with Tate. I don't think Gordon is gonna get moved because I don't think that there's much value there, man. At, at, at 19 million, like Rockets fans tell themselves some lies about Eric Gordon, in my opinion. Like for example, that he's like a really strong defender. When I mean, all the metrics say that he's a negative defender, and I, I know the metrics only go so far, especially on the defensive end. But like my eye test doesn't tell me that he's any kind of like you know exceptional defensive player really he doesn't have exceptional physical characteristics i i think he's fine ish and and so i i i just don't think like he's overpaid and, and he'll be an expiring next year but he he's getting old and i don't see why you part with the first round pick for him you know i just i i just don't really buy it uh john wall i assume it's just gonna kind of you know languish until uh the contract resolves itself like there's there's not much going on there with the worst contract in the league realistically right so uh I, I suspect it'll just kind of resolve itself and uh save the best for last uh cooper knows i i, I have a hard time even talking about this guy without getting angry like I, I i start to feel angry as soon as i think about him uh christian wood man he, i really like i i i would trade him for a bag of peanuts man but it's it's you know It's hard to say what's going to happen exactly. I kind of have a feeling he'll get moved this summer because in all fairness, like he is a big sort of that shoots 39% from distance and that's got its value. And there's probably going to be a team that'll say, Hey, let's just get one of the better stretch bigs in the league. Um, I, I, I don't think like, if I was to talk about hypotheticals that I like that I think are at all realistic, uh, maybe Nazir Little from Portland with with blood cells contract, or like Josh Green in Dallas with uh Davis Bertans's contract, like situations like that. I see as realistic. Maybe we can get like a lower tier young player, right? If we're lucky. I I definitely think, like I definitely don't think we're packaging Wood and tape for the seventh overall pick. A lot of people do, but I think it's pretty outrageous you know like like realistically there's just there's not a lot of trade value on this whole team man the, the only guy that we could go get like a freaking big package for would be green and we're not trading him so other than that uh, there's not there's not a lot of leeway we're just going to keep building through the draft in my opinion no. i was just
0: gonna say i'm i'm absolutely with you it's just uh i think there is a small market for Wood, you know like i could see being able to maybe coax the the hornets into giving up real value for wood but it's not going to be like like a huge package it's 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 like it's more to get off his like off of wood and get just some modicum of value there whatever that looks like so um i'm with you and i i honestly think that's one of my um kind of quarrels with stone uh, and, and what he's done in some ways it's that like even like you look at the pistons like obviously grant is is a little different but um they've done they at least have like some trade value right like they could trade Sadiq for positive value like i don't think you're like you're getting pennies on the dollar in terms of what you spent for garuba christopher martin and maybe you could get positive value for shangoon uh depending on how you view him uh but he's probably worth the 16th pick type thing and, and that's what he was taking so it's like he's the only one who's kind of maintained value that's sort of the issue when you bring in guys and then you don't play them at all. And, and I understand if, if they're not ready and you want to take your time developing them. But um, that's sort of the issue that comes with that is, you know, I think Sadiq probably has outsized value compared to what he actually is as a player because he was put in a role to do more. And you can look and see like, oh, but we can scale him down. And then that's probably what he will be is a scaled down Version, But you've seen him try to do more. And and it's just like there's none of that with Garuba or, or Martin or really anyone throughout this whole roster. They've all either been bad bets, not played or been bad young guys, which I'm fine with bad young guys. But it's just that's just sort of it's, it's like a little team building thing that I think um, they've had to compensate for. And they'll continue to have to compensate for. And the main way to compensate for that is with the third pick. Um, there's been a lot of, um, hubbub about the top two. It really feels like it's Chet and Jabari. Um, so we'll talk about who that might leave at three, but if one of them were to fall, do you think no matter who else is on the board, that would be the guy, one of Chet or Jabari? And, and then who would you rather it be? If you had, if you had the magic wand and you could make one of them fall, James.
1: Chet. Yeah. I, I, I would take Chet. Like Chet's been number one on my big board, uh, for the whole process, you know, I I, I originally like Barry more than Paulo. I would say Cooper played a, a small role in convincing me that uh Ben Caro was a better prospect than Barry. But like I, I I do see it; he's got the potential to be sort of an offensive engine. Barry, there's a little bit of a fear of of him being like a role player, really. You know, with with his two point creation and his handle and everything. I I, I like Barry. I'd be happy to add Barry. I'll be happy to add any of of the kind of consensus top three I'll even be happy to add Ivy man although it's definitely not my preferred outcome but if I could just like wave a wand and and have anybody from this draft it would be Chad Holmgren for sure I, I also think if I made like like Holmgren kind of just fills in and he fits with what like coach Silas wants to do and everything as like a five out center but he just upgrades like like from year one it could just be like having Christian Wood if he was an excellent rim protector instead of a horrible rim protector, you know? And like they it's a real clean like transition.
0: It also doesn't require a ton of mid-post ISOs like Christian Wood does. He's not gonna it's not gonna, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not gonna exactly.
1: chuck
3: from 40 and, and be the worst defensive big man in the entire league. So that's a yeah. uh, that's kind of an nice. upgrade by default.
0: That'd be nice. Um yeah. Coop, I'm gonna throw this to you is, is Chet also your kind of like if you had any pick of the top four that would be the guy. Uh I I think at the
3: moment I've kind of talked myself into Palo a little bit because I feel like that's who we're getting. But if I were to like take a step back, Chet fills so many holes on this roster, does everything, has the create, has the potential like grow with the team, explore the studio space a little bit, uh, but then also has that easy role uh, can play the connector, play the play finisher. It's just so obvious with him. Uh, fits everything that the team wants to have, has that, uh, at the, the fuck you attitude that that we really need on the team because <laughs> we have zero of it at the moment uh I I think Chet would be my guy but I I could also see I mean him and Powell are my top two and I I'm kind of flip-flopping by the day but uh, I'll go Chet here
0: yeah uh I I might lean Powell out. we'll see how as we discuss this but if if the if the what's predictive plays out and it's um Chet at at two and Jabari at one, or flip flop those two, however, and those are the top two. And at three, it's Silas sitting there with basically two papers in his hands: one that says Jaden Ivy, one that says Paolo Bancaro.
1: James, what do you think he would do if you had to predict? Oh, I think Paolo Bancaro. I mean, I first of all, like, I think he's the type of guy that Silas, that Stone, excuse me, uh, targets. He likes offensive creators. I think he, I, th- I think he's inclined to pick offensive players with his top picks. Now, of course that fits Ivy as well, but I also think there's just sort of like a glaringly obvious, like we don't have forwards, you know, like, like the team is so thin on forwards and our guard rotation is the only thing we can hang our hat on at all. Meanwhile, Bankero is kind of like consensus over Ivy anyway. So like, I I understand that you don't draft for fit, but it feels like fit and BPA sort of like uh, merge here, you know? So to, to me, it's kind of an obvious thing, personally.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's fair. And and just to clarify, is that where you're at? too? like, if you were stone, you would you would do the same thing, whereas taking Palo?
1: Oh yeah, uh, so my my big board would be Chet, Paulo, Barry, Ivy.
0: Yeah, sweet. Uh, I think I think Coop is in the same kind of realm. Uh, I will give the slightly devil's advocate um, uh, take here. Uh, even though Paolo is number one on my board, like I would take even probably for the Rockets. Like I love the idea of getting because Jalen Green is a is a bucket, right? Like that's what he does. I think Paolo is a little different. Paolo is much more of a um, kind of steadying presence. I think like he takes some dumb shots and and he does create an isos so and he can get tunnel vision, but he's like an overall just like offensive weapon i think i think you can do a lot of different things with him i think he could develop as like a real pull-up shooter and get to the point where he's taking pull up off the dribble threes i think he's an awesome passer i think that has a lot of room to develop Uh, i think it goes under discussed that the development path with Paolo has been basically a straight line going up right it's been like when he was a sophomore in high school he was basically a rim protector with some cool passing flashes and you're like, okay, that's cool for a 15, 16 year old. And then when he was a junior, he really started to put some handle moves together and you're like, okay. So he's like a post hub kind of low scoring, big, who could play defense. And then by his senior year, he really, really like started to get that shot making down. And, and then at Duke, he continued, he, at Duke is where he combined the shot making and the passing and started to become a more holistic offensive weapon. So I think I love that fit. I I I have Jaden Ivy at tier below. I'd be upset about it if I was if I was you guys. Um I I don't know in like in real life, I don't really care, but like if I was you guys, I'd be upset about it. Um, but I do think there is some potential upside with Ivy and Green next to each other. Just I mean, if you just want to overwhelm teams uh by just having two elite guard athletes, um, it's it's tough because again, like you will then have to find that point guard passer somewhere else as a three or a four or I, I think what taking ivy would say in my opinion is that you really really believe in Albert and shengun like shengun can be our post hub and we could just run these guys in circles around him and and do all that and they'll occasionally get their their isos and stuff but in terms of high level passing it's just shengun um, so i wouldn't love it but i think there is at least some argument there Uh, stone what are your takes on kind of the third pick and and where you think that the the um the the rockets might look to go
2: yeah um i think ultimately the feeling for me is i think jabari and chet will probably go one and two in some order and uh the rockets will be left most likely with Paolo is where i think that that pick uh will be taken but i i for up to me, I think I would have Chet as my number one guy. If you know, we're talking about dream outcomes and, and who uh, we would take if, if the Rockets had their choosing. Um, I think that he just fits that team so well, and uh, having uh, what Mobley could have brought you in terms of like defensive anchor, I think uh, Chet does that in obviously some somewhat different ways. But I think he's still capable of filling that sort of role um and I think those guys are just super hard to find so I would I would probably lean that way if that was up to me uh but again I I'm I'm just not really sure that he'll be there at three so assuming it's Paolo and and, uh, Jaden Ivy, I'm a bit lower on Ivy than a lot of people um and uh, I still think Paolo is really really good I have him number two on my board overall so uh, I wouldn't all wouldn't at all be mad if that was my consolation prize at number three
3: we, we, we just talked on the Thunder pod, we talked about uh, just Ivy and fitting into rotations. And I, I don't want to go over, back over too much of that because Yosef said it a lot better than I could have. Uh, but just something, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself as like stars and playing together and whatever. But when you are trying to build a team with stars, you want them to be able to play together and run in actions and create advantages within the same play together and not just have super overlapping skill sets. Uh, that's a big problem with like even the Celtics at the moment is it's like, oh, we have two giant forwards who can shot create, but neither of them can dribble and neither of them are great at getting rim attempts. And it's just so much tougher because the same types of defenders can guard them. So you can't create an advantage by forcing a switch. You can't create an advantage in like with screening with uh, a bunch of different actions. So it's a lot of just, oh, go out and cook. It's the same problem that the Clippers have with their two stars is the same guys can generally guard those two guys. Uh, and with Ivy and green, I mean, greens, they're different athletes and green as I think a better athlete uh, and they're different players. But I think that the same types of players can generally guard them uh, quicker, smaller guards, I think can guard green because they're able to stick with him and kind of bounce him off his path. Cause he's so skinny. Uh, same thing with Ivy. I'm just worried that, I mean, I, It's nitpicking because at the point the Rockets are at, uh, who gives a fuck? Just be good. Um, But I also, I do believe that Paolo is a better prospect than Jaden Ivey, but just something to kind of give a little bit more credence to maybe don't draft Ivey and put two mega rim pressure guards that struggle to play make and dribble together.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that's fair, and and I agree with you, but I also think the bigger argument is just, yeah, Pella's the better player. Like, he's just a better basketball player right now, and, and he projects to be a better player at a more vital position uh, going forward. Um, but that does take me to 17. Uh, you know, there's a sh- honestly a shit ton of options here. The draft feels so um, basically flat after about 11-12. Um, I think we can talk about some fallers um but james i'll throw this to you like who are some guys who catch your eye at 17
1: cooper knows what i'm gonna say uh first and foremost my man Osman gang dude i would do i would, I would do anything I, I i would do anything for the rockets to take him at 17 at this point it looks like he probably won't be available but i mean surely he's a candidate to fall you know the kid is pretty raw like i i, I think it's definitely not outright impossible it would be Maybe the best day of my life, you know. Like, like I, I just, I, 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 I truly believe in this kid. I really think I see outlier skills at at six ten that give him actual star potential in the NBA. You know, it's one of those things where I'm either going to be dead right or I'm going to be dead wrong. But like, I, 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 I see the upside. I buy it. I, I, I think he has the traits of a late bloomer. Like, it, I, I'm not worried about his NBL shooting splits because his form is pure, and I, I, I think that. I just think raw talents like that take maybe a little extra time to put it together sometimes, but like like the pieces are there, man. He's six ten, his handle is majestic, he has got fantastic passing vision, he should be a versatile defender. Like I, I I'm all in, and then I I guess my next favorite choice is is Cooper's guy Terry Eason. I understand that Eason is. Uh, seems to be sort of botching his workouts and stuff. He's not really doing himself a lot of favors in the in the pre-draft process, but the the physical qualities are just right there, you know. And and, and there's a lot to mold there and and I really like how aggressive he is defensively. I think he's got that uh dog if you will that the Rockets are sorely lacking, right? And and and, and, I, and I like that about him. Um he 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 fills a lot of holes and, and a lot of needs that this team has. Other than those two you know, like, my my um, excitement falls off a lot after those two. I, I do like Marjan Beauchamp, uh, but the three-point percentages are pretty concerning, you know? Like, if, if this guy can't shoot, he's never going to be more than a backup, realistically, at the NBA level. But, I mean, at 17, you'll take a backup, right? I, I like his defense. I like his length. Um, and he can do a little bit of shot creation, I think. I guess I don't hate E.G. Liddell. You know, Liddell to me looks like a rotation player, a long-term rotation player, another type of like aggressive defensive player that the Rockets need, but I wouldn't be super excited about him, you know? Uh, other than that, yeah, those are those are pretty much my guys in terms of who's at all realistic. Although I will add, last thing I'll add is I saw a mock today that had Durin slipping all the way down to 17th and the Rockets scooping him up and that's definitely got me thinking, you know? I, I, I'd be really happy about that, but like it's probably not going to happen at the same time.
0: There's definitely worlds where slips happen, right? Like like during at 17 would be an absolute dream. Uh just I mean, no matter who you drafted, even if you draft Chet at three, like you take Durant at 17, like yeah. it doesn't matter. You just you you do that. Uh, he'd be an absolute dream. Um, Coop, I'll throw this to you. Uh, obviously, if you want to wax poetic about Tari's potential fit here, go ahead. But then, other than that, who are some names that stand out to you here at 17?
3: I will just say that uh James has. he's talked me a little bit into, into uh, Usman. Uh, I think at least he is like the front office thinks that they can get something out of him. And it's not just taking Ochaig Baji at 17, like at the very least, uh, I think that taking that bet is a lot more fun and interesting and shows that the the front office at least has the balls to do something. Uh, Yeah. Tari Eason, my guy Uh, I have him at four on my board. I take, shit basically every single day on Rockets Twitter for having him that high on my board. Uh, I will defend him till I die. Uh, 6'8", 7'2", elite defender, fits on every team in the league, specifically fits perfectly on the Rockets who have zero forwards on this team. Uh, Just potential to come in and be an actual offensive player, uh, shoot the ball a little bit, be a real defensive playmaker, add some size to the front court, play the four or five, maybe even the three uh, just enables all your other players to maybe actually be good. Like you talked about KJ needing a specific fit. I think he fits really well next to Atari. Uh, Shengun needs somebody like Atari to, you know, protect the rim while he does zero defending. Uh, I don't think that's like a super reason to, to draft him. I, I think that's actually the wrong process to take with a lot of these guys, but I think it's just a positive point uh, for them. Uh, I would love to see the Rockets draft Kendall Brown, uh, 6'8", connecting wing, mega finisher, uh, just one of the top athletes in the draft. Uh, you know I love Marjan, Marjan Beauchamp. Uh, and then one more guy to get a little bit funky here. I would love to see the Rockets take John Butler. At 17, uh, 7'1", 175-pound wing, big, extraordinaire, uh, can really shoot. I I went on a half-asleep ramble about him last night when we did our pod on him. Absolutely love him to death. I think the defensive potential is out of this world. Just an insane mover for his size, can play just about any defensive position with a little bit more weight on him. Uh, But I would love, love, love to see John Butler in
0: Rockets red. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of funk here. Um, I second everything you guys said about Tari. Tari and Duran would be the dream guys if they fall here. Another sneaky potential faller who I'd really like Johnny Davis. Um, Johnny Davis is more of a guard, uh, but it seems like his range has really fallen off. Uh, you might have to trade up, but like you could package like if you could package Christian Wood and 17 to move up to 13 and get him. Like I think that would be awesome. I I really really love the idea of. Johnny Davis playing the the one or the three next to Jalen Green, however you want to position them, like you kind of get fire and ice there. It's two great first steps, uh, but someone who's a, a hard nosed defender and a good decision maker next to someone who just gets buckets uh, in the in the most electric ways possible. I think there's some some fun to be had there. Um, I, I love the idea of MarJon here. I think uh, getting a real three would just be so nice for this team because they haven't played an actual like six 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 seven guy at the three uh in like like six years it feels like I mean not since Trevor Ariza right uh it, which is probably not as long ago as it feels but it feels like it's been a long time and especially not since James Harden moved on um getting like a real wing sized wing uh who does wing stuff would be great I think Marjon can shoot a, like I understand the worries about that with three-point numbers but um I going from Juco straight to playing in the, and not good Juco going from bad Juco to playing straight against uh top competition in the G league is tough. And I think you saw his numbers kind of reflect that. And I think um, he'll level that out. I really like the idea of Jalen Williams here. Um, I think getting a, a good passer would be great. And I just think that's what Williams does, right? He's a very functional passer. I don't think he's like a point guard, but I think he could potentially play the nominal one here. If you wanted to play bigger lineups, have him initiate offense with the idea of, you know, running Iverson cuts for, for Jalen green or getting Jalen green going off just a little bit of movement. I mean, we really saw that work this year with Anthony Edwards. I think that's an instructive example for how you can truly, truly unlock green is just get him in as much motion as possible. You know, you don't need a high level passer to do that. I think Jalen Williams, if you kind of view him as a, a more polished, uh better shooting version, more role-player-y version of Dyson Knicks, you kind of really, like, that's a fit I really like. Um, Stone, are there any names? I know we've gone through a lot of names already, but are there any names that stand out to you?
2: Um, let's see. I have to go through the what's left, the, uh, the crumbs, if you will, of my big board. Um, Jalen Williams, the other Jalen Williams, Arkansas, I think makes a lot of sense, too. Uh, if you're able to move on from Wood, I think that he would be an awesome replacement. Um, as a guy who uh, you can put, I think, next to like Paulo. if you were to get him at three. I think those guys work really well as two guys that can do a lot of passing, interesting stuff like that. Uh, also, you have sangoon but, you know, we already talked about him. I like Jalen Williams more. Uh, and I think that uh, those two guys, and, and Jalen Williams, too, also gives you like a lot of uh, – defense uh at the center position that i think um is enough to get by for this rockets team if if they were to go that way uh i like a lot of the names you guys already pointed out the other guy uh, maybe because the rockets are sort of on a um less progressed timeline uh is i guess the way you could put it is uh blake wesley who i think uh might take a little more time to get there but i think that the dividends might be a, a big payoff if they were to come to fruition so Um, those would be probably the two names that weren't mentioned yet that I'd be excited to get at 17 if I were the Rockets.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I I think what I'm getting at is there's a lot of good names. I think the worry for me at 17, I I think this pick, as weird as it sounds, is going to be where we find out a little bit about Stone and his process, right? I've mentioned a few times, I really did not like the process for last year's draft, just in general. I thought, I, I, I understood where they came from with Green. I thought if you're taking green instead of Shen or instead of Mobley, that then taking Shengun at 16 is almost like a, like a makeup for that. I didn't like that. That's kind of what the group of pick felt like, even though I like that pick and Josh Christopher also kind of just felt like they left a lot on the table last year and I could kind of squint and see what they're going for. But I think, you know, this year, you know, I don't love Usman Jang, but if they take Jang, I if, I actually think that's a solid process of just saying, Hey, we're a bad team with the usage. Well, and we just need to take bets on guys who can who can maybe pass and, and initiate for us. Completely understand that, and, and and I think even though I wouldn't like that pick, I'd like the process there. And there's also a chance they make a pick I like, like Tari, and I don't like the process. Like Coop mentioned, if the process is well, we need a backside rim protector so we could play uh, Sengun. You know, we think he's a star, so we're gonna you know get as many guys who can protect the rim so he doesn't have to. Uh, and I, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how this pick and this next season plays out because I think it's going to be super uh, exemplary of their general process Um, James before we get into second round guys I did want to ask you kind of what do you hope the process is here like it doesn't have to be a guy that it comes down to but what do you hope they're looking for and and they're hoping to address here at 17.
1: Yeah man I I, first of all let me say that you just got me thinking and I really like that designation between like result and process Uh, to give an example. Like I I outright don't want Mark Williams and I very much don't want Walker Kessler. Right. But I will say that if we were to pick either of them, it tells me that the front office at least recognizes that like rim protection is a component of basketball and, and and that like maybe we ought to have somebody that could stop guys from getting the easiest shot in basketball at some point. So like process wise, I'd be like, you know what? I didn't want either of those guys, but it tells me that the front office is thinking about like what this team might look like down the road, you know? So there is very much a difference between result and outcome. I I, I like what you're saying, but to answer the question directly, I, my process with the 17th pick personally would be swing on upside. Like just take the player with the highest upside. To me, we've got a handful of these picks coming up the pipeline, like picks that project me mid late first round picks. So to me, the smartest process is, like just gamble on ceiling kind of look aside on floor and, and and just keep doing that until you hit on a star steal because like uh you know it's so easy to fill out the roster with role players and, and like functional three and d's and backup point guards and stuff like like you can get those guys other ways you, you have control over the draft so i would be looking at guys who i think had the highest ceilings and and pretty much outright disregarding floor un, until we hit big on one of those prospects which yeah, is part of why i love gang
0: no I, I think that's absolutely fair and i think i'm mostly with you um that that is uh, that would be solid process here uh they're not at a place where they need to be thinking about any type of fit really at all outside of hey we don't need like they don't need bryce McGowan's right like that would be a bad process pick but like i i think you could go a lot of different ways and have me at least be like okay especially in this draft because I think the talent drop-off is kind of steep at a certain point on my board. And there's not a ton of opportunity cost. Like, I don't think, honestly, no matter who they take, unless they're passing on Tari Eason, I don't think there's a ton of opportunity cost is, is what I'm saying. Uh, but that doesn't me to the second round, potential UDFA guys. Um, it's it, uh, We could spend all day naming guys. So uh, I like to narrow it down to, James, if there's like three guys you really hope they target in maybe a trade-up into the second round or buying uh, – buying a pick in the second round or an undrafted free agency. Who are some guys that stand out to you?
1: Yeah, I really only have two guys that I'm super passionate about. They, they, they both fit a pretty similar archetype. Uh, I know Cooper's going to hate one of them. The other one, I don't know where he stands. Uh, Khalifa Diop is, is, is a guy that I would like to buy into the second round for. Um, I basically, I like defensive bigs in the second round. I would love for us to just swing on one of the defensive minded bigs, which brings me to Yannick Noza, who I would, I'd be so happy if the Rockets ended up buying a second round pick to take take him. I understand there's every possibility that like he's never going to be an NBA player. But the the physical tools to be a dominant defender are there. And I'm just I'm I'm kind of intrigued at the cost of a second round gamble, you know. And then there's two other guys that probably won't be there in the second round. But if they are, uh, it would be huge to buy a pick and grab them. One of them is Kendall Brown who I'm seeing mocked in the second round sometimes lately, like surprisingly. Right. So when I can't remember, but one of you guys, I think Cooper brought him up as a as candidate for the 17th overall pick. I wouldn't hate that pick. They're guys that are more feasible that I would be less excited about, but I just kind of put him out of my head because it seems like he's often mocked in the second round now is, is what I'm seeing. So And then the other one is one of Cooper's boys, uh, Christian Coloco, if he happens to be there in the second round, uh, I I mean, that's a no brainer to me, but he'll probably not be, I kind of feel like Golden State might take him with the 28th pick. That's a Kevin O'Connor's mock, I think. And it it makes a lot of sense to me. So Uh, yeah, those, so I I guess I gave you four, but it was really kind of like three because the last two were, were halves because they'll probably be first round picks.
0: No, I absolutely uh, love it. Um, Coop, is there anyone that stands out to you as second round guys here? And don't don't go crazy and remember our rule.
2: <laughs> yeah, sorry,
0: not allowed to talk about AAC guys
3: on this pod. I thought this was going to be a lot of fun, but no. Uh, so I would just I would kind of just like to see the UDFA and second round guys just be kind of okay, like players or shooters or something like that. Just somebody that brings structure. Uh, I think that's James and I's big kind of uh, draft philosophy difference uh, is that he is, he's a lot more a gam- of a gambler than I am, uh, especially like late in the first and the second. Uh, I just want to see structure, especially for someone like Jalen who with the structure that came at the end of the year and and for KPJ, I think they looked better. Uh but I would love to see us trade Garrison Matthews and get a second round pick and then use it on somebody like a Coloco or a Julian Champagne. Uh, Just somebody who can come in and actually play rotation basketball. Uh, and then in UDFA, I'd love to see us grab a shooter who's probably a better basketball player uh, like Tevin Brown out of Murray state. I'm a huge Tevin Brown guy. Uh, I think that he's like, actually has skills other than shooting. And that makes him a better NBA player than, uh, than Garrison Matthews solid defender can switch uh, lock up, And then even someone like a a Caleb Houston in the late second or undrafted, just somebody who can really shoot the piss out of the ball and play rotation defense. I would just love to see somebody come in and do that. Uh, And that guy starts because Garrison Matthews started and he can't do shit other than draw charges and shoot contested 40 footers. So I just, just somebody who can come in, bring, bring structure and bring something to the table other than shooting, you know, in that late second.
0: Yeah. I mean, some guys for me, uh, two guys, uh, you know, Coop mentioned Caleb Houston stood out for me. I think he'd be a great trade up into the second round to grab him. I just think John Butler might be in the second round. Uh, And I, I, I'm I'm with you where I think he'd be a great bet to make here because um, you know, he doesn't have to play for a year, but he kind of makes sense with however you want to build this role. Like, like what's nice about Butler is that he's super positionally flexible, depending on how you want to develop him. Like, I think he can guard threes and fours, and I don't really think he's a five, but could maybe play the five for you. Um, he, he, he's not going to be ready to play early, probably, but take your time with him and figure out what the rest of this roster actually looks like when it's a real team. And uh, then you'll have some some funk there. Uh, Stone, does anyone stand out to you?
2: Yeah, uh, a couple names. One, if you're sort of going for the the structured route, I like Vince Williams Jr. a lot. I bring him up on every podcast, but he is like a really, really good bet to be solid at a lot of things at an NBA level. And I think that to be able to get that in the second round or or undrafted free agency would be a a huge uh, win for the for the Rockets. Uh another guy um that I like, uh more of a deeper cut, so probably more of like a, a two way undrafted guy is Geo Baker. Uh the best prospect from Rutgers. Uh I think that he is a really solid shooter, has more pull up equity um as a guard and uh you know, just the more cracks that you get at a backup guard, uh, even if it's undrafted free agency, which is a, a good place to do that, I think uh, the better for the Rockets. So another place I'd look um and then the other guy uh that I like uh I know Cooper's really high on him is uh Hyun Dun Lee uh I think that he is uh one of the best shooters in this class and uh just super awesome uh I think that he probably would need to be in a better situation than Rockets as far as like screening and things um but I think that uh, if you're just looking for value, that for me at least, Hyunjun is that.
0: Yeah, uh, there's there's a couple the names I can't help but bring up. This would be a this would be like the Nikola Yovich destination. I know Coop isn't a huge fan, but in the 30s or 40s, like I really I I think this is the one like one of the few places that I actually really like him. Um, I, I'd love to see them take a shot on Fanbo Zhang. They clearly have a thing for the Jew League. Um, and I think he's like, I, I don't know, a bet to be an actually good defender on this roster. Um, I, 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 I don't know, like he's just a guy I'd kind of like. And then the, the last guy is Josh Minot. If he's around in the 30s or 40s, trade up and get that. I just think um, he's kind of a bet to be a, maybe a better version, at least a bigger, taller version of what you get out of KJ Martin um, with a bit more. Uh, upside there. So uh, those are the guys for me, James, before we get out of here, we like to ask our guests kind of what their dream outcome is, what they hope the Rockets do. So who's your kind of dream, somewhat realistic outcome guys at three 17. And then if you wanted to pick kind of two guys, second round UDFA, I imagine they have, I I imagine this team rosters four rookies at the very least, if, if you know, on two ways, I just think they're that the team that's out of place where they do that. So if you kind of wanted to pick four guys realistically available at each, area we talked about who would those four guys be
1: yeah man um I guess I would go with can I pick Kendall Brown in the second round can, can, can I have Kendall Brown slipping okay yeah so I I, I think I would go Chet Holmgren uh Osman Jang um I'm gonna go Christian Coloco although it can be Yannick Nyoza, and I'm happy with that too and uh then Kendall Brown that that, that would be my dream situation
0: yeah, sweet. And then, Coop, I'll ask you too. Uh, what's your dream scenario here? <laughs> I'm so honored. Uh, I think
3: ideally, if Chet slipped, but I also have kind of talked myself into Paolo, like I alluded to. Uh, so I think I'll be a little bit different and I'll, I'll say Paolo because I think. Like you talked yourself into Shen Yun last year? Uh, no. <laughs> sh- shut up. Okay. that was, I didn't even talk myself into him. I was like, oh, you know, maybe he's not the worst player on the roster. Uh, but, <laughs> and yeah, it's true. I mean, we have Bruno Fernando, uh, and, uh, and, and Christian Wood playing real NBA minutes. So I, I think shangoon better than them, but, uh, I think I will go Paolo and then at 17, I'll go Tari. I think that that is a match made in heaven. Two top four players on my board. Very realistic. Um, I think I would cry. I'd break down in happy tears on, on the, on the live stream we're going to do. And then in the second round, Christian Coloco, just grabbing him, I would do immoral things to see Christian Coloco on this team and actually get minutes. I think that he is, is perfect. I mean, I, I, I like to think that I've talked James into him basically on my own, um, with, with, <laughs> with all, all, the, all the love I, I give to him. And then you know I like defensive bigs, but yeah, saying. I mean, that's, that's true. And, and he's Pacific. very good at, at defense. Yeah. And then I'll talk just real quick about somebody we didn't talk about, but Peyton Watson. I'd love to see him. Uh, on the Rockets. Uh, Nima gave me that idea. He picked him in a community mock, but just another bet at a forward. who can go spend time in RGV, who has a really great developmental coach in uh, Mahmoud Abdel Fattah. Sorry if my pronunciation is bad. Not I try anymore. my hardest.
0: He just what? signed with the Suns. The RGV head Mahmoud? coach. Mahmoud? Yeah. When, when did that happen? Today. You guys I didn't, see the, you guys breaking didn't breaking see the Woz tweet? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you and James about the We go check their No, phone. they got, they got Matumbo oh yeah, my bad. About... oh my bad my bad you oh my bastard gosh. oh my god bro
1: that's our I next so head bad. coach man yeah
2: come on that is come all on. we have that is all we have left <laughs> cooper <laughs> cooper just wants to pick peyton so that the vipers can win a g league championship <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care about the rockets he just cares about <laughs> the vipers i love
3: my rio grande valley vipers uh been their biggest fan since i was about uh, 16 so uh yeah but those are probably my four guys uh there's about four if if Bryce said, let me talk about AAC guys. There would have been two other guys that would have been my picks in the, in the second or UDFA, but I'm
0: sure there would have been, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's my dream. Uh, yeah. That's uh. I, I'll be honest. If they walk out of this draft with two of Paolo Tari and, and Marjan, I might consider myself uh, a, 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 uh, a Rockets fan, but I would be equally happy if they walk out with like Ivy Williams and whoever else is, Trash in Coop's mind because I think it'd be hilarious to watch him melt down again. Nikola uh, Jovic. Yeah, yeah. If they if they walk out of this draft with like if, if they walk out of this draft with like Jaden, Ivy, Walker, Kessler, Nikola Jovic,
3: <laughs> Ochai
2: Igbaji. and Ochai.
3: Oh my god, yeah, I, I, Ochai. Ochai Igbaji, I, I talk about every single day about how much I would I, I would break down mentally as a man and as a human being if we just the least creative worst possible pick you can make with an actual premium pick
2: oh so they haven't they haven't even picked him yet and you're getting worked up. I mean, even, honestly
0: yeah. we probably didn't talk about him enough we sometimes overlook the guys we really don't want a team to draft to talk about realistic picks like that's just kind of the nature of how this goes like of course we're not gonna talk about ochai uh at, at 17 because we would all hate that right or like uh i i don't know there's a couple other picks there's they been a make, lot right. of
3: mocks sending tie tie to the washington to to not tie tie washington to the rockets <laughs> at 17. and those all make me furious because almost without fail right after that pick they sent tari easton to the bulls and it it uh makes me like legitimately yeah. angry to yeah. to read those
0: yeah but uh yeah that's that's kind of about all i have on the rockets of course if we let koop and james go all day they could but that's why they have things like HDX Chop Shop. Shop. Uh, they do a ton of great work there. Uh, James, of course, Coop, great friends, and uh, it was it was a blast to have uh, both these guys on. Uh, well, specifically James on. Uh, Coop mostly is always James. on. Yeah, mostly James. <laughs> uh, great James, and and I'll tag all your stuff below. But uh, just so they hear it from your mouth, let's people know where they can find you.
1: Yeah, so if you're a Rockets fan, check check out my writing at The Dream Shake. Uh, If you're a general NBA fan, come listen to my podcast Above the Break. I co-host it with Nevin Brown. And uh, if you're a fan of me and Cooper, then you got great taste and you should check us out at the Chop Shop. We do live streams and YouTube videos and kind of miscellaneous content. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. I I had a great time as well. Uh, Can't wait to listen back to the episode. Thank you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh this will this will be out at at some point uh before the draft. I don't know when. It's uh, our time is all it's all kind of jumbling around. We're almost there. As we record this, we are um 9 days from the draft. As we post this, it'll be closer to like 3 days. So yeah, that does it for um, for us here. And, and that does it for this series, I think. Uh, if, if my timing ends up working out, we, we shall see. But uh, in in pre-planning, pre-production, I guess we are planning on this to be the last one. So we thank everyone for their time to not only come on, but those who listened, those who shared and and, and gave us reviews and all that stuff. This stuff has a ton of work to do 30 pods in 30 days like this, but uh, it's incredibly rewarding. Like you wouldn't believe we get to talk to a ton of, great people who we really respect and, uh, you know, appreciate James for taking the time to come on and, and everyone else who came on. So uh, big thanks and, and, and big ups to all you. And uh, for Coop, Allie underscore, underscore Coop for stone out report, underscore court. I'm at price Centric 14. Make sure to join us on the night of the draft for a live stream. We'll be going over, you know, every pick we'll, we'll start about 30 minutes before, if you want to hear uh, Coop and I's all handsome teams tune in for that, because uh, we put more work into that than we put into our actual big boards. Uh, so uh, lots of stuff there. It's exciting. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, give us a like, read, review, all that fun stuff on your podcasting platform of choice. This has been the Upside Weeks of VA Draft Podcast. We hope wait are ceiling. Thank you. We once again like to thank our sponsors at globalshopsolution.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at globalshopsolutions.com. Thank you.